Welcome to the Liberated Citizen. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. So Christmas lights became a team sport this year, but my boys rose to the challenge without complaining, which, uh, which made me proud. At times we were out there in the rain, putting up decorations and, you know, magically decorations kept showing up almost as if they were being bought this year, uh, which made the, the task more than just a couple of days. But it was a great bonding experience with my boys and, you know, the yard looked great. Uh, I'll post some pictures to, to some social media and uh, let you guys know how it looked. I need to up my game when it comes to photography so that I can get some uh, some better pictures at night. Speaking of, of team sports, team events, this episode is going to transition to this topic, and in particular, uh, America's sport, football. There's an article that recently came out from the Washington Post, and I'll post this link in the description. But it was the changing face of America's favorite sport, and it kind of the subtitle was how race, politics, culture, and money are shaping which kids abandon and tackle football and which keep risking its toll. Uh, so I'll, I'll, as per the format, I'm going to quickly cover some of the, the facts and some of the assertions that are covered in the article. And then, and then we'll dive into some of the insights and some of the, my thoughts about it. So kind of the main point is that it highlights the universal appeal across demographics in America. Everybody seems to either enjoy watching football or at least going and participating in tailgating. But according to the Washington Post research, uh, there has been a steep decline in participation everywhere, particularly over the past decade. Boys in poor communities and more conservative areas play at higher rates than other demographics. Hispanics are increasingly participating versus declining for, for both black and white boys. Conservatives pl encourage play at a rate that has held steady since 2012, while liberals are increasingly discouraging play. And with a quote from Andrew M. Lindner, who's an associate professor of sociology at Skidmore College, he has studied the demographics of football participation. And he states that who your dad voted for in the presidential election could influence your risk for a very serious football-related ailment or injury. And, and so politics is brought into the discussion, and I, I don't think this is an accident. So some further facts and assertions, some survey data by the National Federation of State High School Associations showed that states in the South are holding on to the game while every other region in the U.S. showed significant decline in the past decade. Of the 23 states above the national participation rate, 19 voted for Trump in 2020. Again, we're bringing politics into it that I'm, I'm not sure we need to bring into it. This this will be relevant a little bit later on. And the article goes on to highlight how most of these states are, have median incomes below the national average. So basically saying that they're poor states. The article goes on to highlight the risk reward calculus favors short-term benefits of football career versus the long-term chronic, chronic traumatic insulo, I can't even pronounce that word, but it's short for CTE. Basically we're talking concussions, repeated over time. And then the buildup of media coverage concerning CTE, as well as the, a Christmas Day release in 2015 of the blockbuster movie starring Will Smith called Concussion. Rates of participation in football plunged the next year as parents became more concerned. So 2016, you saw a significant decline. The article also talks about how flag football is the way forward for football, but how long will it take? It basically says football is going to die. I'm not sure that's completely accurate, but the uh, NFL has been encouraging flat football participation uh, in the Olympics as well as some other venues and leagues. So uh, they, they seem to be hedging their bets. In 2018 speech at annual conference of USA football, 
NFL funded organization that serves as the sport's national governing body. David Baker, now retired president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, summed up the football as America argument. If we lose football, we lose a lot in America. And if that happens, Baker said, I don't know if America can survive. This is where I would like to dive into this article. Uh, there's a, a lot of different things to be covered and talked about in this article, but uh, I, I really think that this statement here, if we lose football, we lose a lot in America. And he doesn't know if America can survive. I, th I think that really sums up a lot of what is being talked about in this article in a roundabout way, because it really highlights the, the stark divide that the article seems to attribute to politics. Politics as a manifestation of values. Yes, I, I can see that being true, but I think it represents more than just a Trump or, or MAGA type conflagration. I, I think it's broader than that. And so I'd like to talk about the culture aspects of the article and key in on some of those last quotes. The author and editorial staff seem to be making the connection that poor and conservatives don't seem to care about the safety of their kids while not just letting them, but encouraging them to play football. And, and they offer up some articles that are cited in, in this article and quotes that start to show that the divide is more than a straight single factor analysis regarding safety for these communities and regions. So some of these quotes that I'd like to, one quote in particular I'd like to highlight, people who would encourage children to play football see it not as a child safety debate. Instead, they experience tackle football as intertwined with their vision of America. In short, kids playing football is about more than just football in a way that is not necessarily true of other sports. And they mention it, but then they, they go on and, and don't really seem to explore this, this other perspective of football as a way to explain perhaps why the South, why uh, some of these different regions are still supporting football while other regions are not. And, and again, I think this might be a microcosm of the, the battle for values that is going on in America today. And of note, the Washington Post is historically biased more towards a liberal and progressive point of view. And, and I, throughout this article, the tone and what the article decides to talk about, what not to talk about, uh, it seems to me that it can it is slightly derogatory towards people that recommend participating in football. I would argue this article is really about culture, value systems, and how people see the world. And it's why in the article it states that CTE is not the only thing driving the divide. In a 2021 research paper titled America's Most Divided Sport, Polarization and Inequality in Attitudes About Youth Football, Skidmore's Lindner and Daniel N. Hawkins of the University of Nebraska, Omaha, found that the NFL's associations with military symbolism and overt patriotism also sow divisions. Those associations they asserted made football alone among American sports operates as sort of a civil religion. But again, it stops there with a lot of unsaid premises and doesn't really go into any analysis of why, or is there any merit or value to this kind of thinking? In fact, I would go so far as to say that the authors don't have much else to say because their word choices and presentation that you think nothing more needs to be said. I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I would put money that their ideology is progressive and there is bias to their thoughts. Progressives have historically tried to downplay American patriotism and dislike the American military. Some would argue with this characterization, but go back and, and find tons of material where they do denig denigrate the, the military symbolism and patriotism. I think 
Only a progressive would say that military symbolism and American patriotism sows division in America. Uh, by polling data, Americans are supportive of the American military, and as an institution, the military has the highest perception of trust of any government institution. Uh, furthermore, the majority of Americans are patriotic, which is shown every 4th of July, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, not to mention when national crises happen, such as 9-11. So if safety is not the only factor, what else is at play? And what could be more important than safety? Let's get into this argument. Let's get into this and let's, let's analyze this a little bit more. And, and I believe it's about exactly what they talk about, the risk-reward calculus. And, and for, for them, safety is this, the ultimate factor. And, and I think this is nested in with some other biases and presuppositions. And I, I would say that from a youth perspective, and, and I played football. Uh, I can't say I was a great football player, but I did play occasionally as a quarterback and uh, more often as a, as a kicker and punter. So having been through it, I think that I've got a little bit of a leg to stand on in, in making some of these assertions. Uh, I would say as a youth, a concussion doesn't seem that bad. You know, yeah, you're going to bang your head. Yeah, you're going to experience some pain, but you don't really see any of the long-term risks of those repeated concussions. CTE is a long way down the road. It's, it's when you're old and most people when they're young can't envision being in their 20s let alone being in their 40s. That seems like forever away. Even when you start getting your 50s and 60s, the perspective that I had as a youth, and, I, and I, this was mirrored by many people, even some of the youth that I talked to today, that you're old, everything's gonna be going downhill anyway. And those are the worst years of your life anyway, so who cares? If I can make a lot of money now, and not only change my life, but the lives of my family, and I can live a great life during my 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, why, why wouldn't I sacrifice my worst years and you know forget about uh, that the, those later effects of CTE, especially when you look at the benefits? And I've already talked a little bit about the, the benefits of money, but I, I would argue that uh, there's, there's more factors than just money here. While not all boys pursue this, for most boys at this age with the hormones running crazy, girls is a huge motivator, not only uh, as, as a young teenager, but later in life. Uh, I think women underestimate the, the power of what a boy and young man will go through in order to further whatever his perception is that will help him gain the attention of girls. And, and let's be honest, there's there's movies that, that highlight this. Uh, they see it every day when they're in high school. You know, whoever the jocks are, uh, especially in football, they're getting attention. They're getting attention from the cheerleaders. They're getting attention from girls. As a primary motivator, uh, girls is a huge one. And many boys will sacrifice in order to get that attention. In addition, even if you don't make it to the NFL, you have the potential to get into college, which changes life trajectories. Uh, that's why college is such a big deal. In addition to getting into college, you could have college paid for, which in today's uh, value, I mean, you're, you're talking easily $100,000 plus in value. In addition, by being on the football team, scholarship or no scholarship, there, there are programs and tutors to help you successfully get through college with a degree. So there's additional benefit in the success rate of getting through college with that degree, uh, not to mention that that fact of you could potentially make it into the NFL. At a minimum, you'll get looked at for scouts, uh, by scouts and potentially make it into some of these other minor uh, football leagues. 
In addition, fame and popularity, as I mentioned before, not just with girls, but with, with their own peer group. People like to be around winners or people who are perceived to be doing popular things. And as I talked, we talked about at the beginning of the article, this uh, podcast, football has universal appeal. And, and so whether your whatever click your circle of friends you're in as a football player, you have an automatic popularity rating that other people don't have. So it is another motivating factor for people to play football. And, you know, uh, a final note, going back to college and graduating college and being having played on a college football team, the alumni associations and the networking opportunities that you have are a little bit different than just being a regular alumni. So that's another benefit of playing football. And all those things put you on a different path than you would have been otherwise. Again, going back to that risk reward calculus, there's definitely a benefit to doing this. So going back to youth and the risks, brain development contributes to this risk reward calculus. You know, the, the current science suggests that the part of the brain that evaluates risk and reward is not well developed until 25 years of age. By that time, you have already been through high school, you've been through college, and you've even been out of college for potentially three to four years to make it to 25, let alone, you know, some of the late bloomers that, you know, that's the average is 25. So there's 50% of the population that is going to be after 25. With that part of the brain not being properly developed, it's hard to really evaluate those risks. This leads to that perception or belief that injuries won't happen to me. Boys and youth are notorious for this belief that I'm special and injuries won't happen to me. That's for other people. Uh, there's a reason why wars are fought by younger men. And part of it is because they are willing to take risks in a way that an older man uh, just won't because again, that part of the brain has been developed and he starts to recognize like, this is riskier than I thought, more dangerous than I thought. And maybe I, maybe I don't charge that machine gun test. But getting back to this topic at hand, looking at the percentage of athletes that actually make it to professional football, there is a belief, again, going back to this part of the brain that they're special when they say, hey, there's one in a million shot that you'll make it to the NFL and be a, be an athlete, they don't hear, oh, wow, that, that's a really large percentage. I, I'm probably not gonna make it. What they hear is, so you're saying there's a chance. And they believe if I work hard enough, I, I could be one of those people. And, and you know, all of this is combined to really further participation in football. Let, let me say that differently. All of these things contribute to that risk reward calculus from someone who's young to play football. And additionally, you've got people who have played football and see even more intangibles that are beneficial to the sport of football that a lot of people don't see. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that you can't experience these intangibles with other sports. But typically what you are seeing is that more people of my generation and the generation before me played football and identified with football, a coming of age. I'm writing a book and it's gonna dive into this topic a little bit more, but in essence, and this is, you know, this is not an original idea to me. I have one, one time thought it was, but I've done research and people have had this idea long before me, is that society today is lacking in a rite of passage for young boys to assume 
their mantle of men. And one of the things that comes close to it is military service. When they go through boot camp, there's there's a there's a cutting away of extra things and getting to the core identity of someone and reforming that into a, a much tougher and mentally strong uh, identity. And it revolves around that transition from young boy to man with military participation rates far and far uh, fewer young boys are experiencing that transition and that rite of passage that military boot camp uh, provides. But something that comes close is high school football. The things that are taught in American football is hard work and sacrifice in pursuit of a collective team goal. And, and so there's quite a few factors that are at play here. One is that there's a hierarchy of roles and leadership and a team environment that you, you don't necessarily get with all the other sports. There's a, there's a lot of things that are common between football and the military that, that help cement this. One of which is there are set plays that a football team runs and to execute these plays well, People have to practice, they have to rehearse, and there is nuance in how a play is executed that only comes through experience, only comes through that repeated execution. And when the team is executing everybody at once, there's a magic that happens. And it may not happen every play, it may not happen every game, it may not even happen every season, but boys will see it, they'll experience it. There's something primal about when everybody's performing their role understanding your role and understanding what you've got to do and counting on the people to your left and right to do what they're supposed to do is an intense bonding experience, especially when you add in football and the, the pain tolerance that has to be developed and finding ways to go on, you know, watching, watching friends of mine come off the field and resetting broken fingers taping up uh, you know broken hands and continuing to play teaches a mental toughness that may be seen by some as unhealthy but for a young man when we're talking about learning how to conquer fear of pain we're talking about a young man who's conquering the fear of letting his teammates down by not playing and finding the intestinal fortitude and courage to recognize I'm hurt, but I am still going to go out there and I'm going to perform my role because people are counting on me. I am part of something bigger than me is, is a huge life altering experience that you don't really see in a lot of other aspects of high school life, of other sports. And again, I'm not saying you can't get it through these other sports, but I would say football captures the essence of this rite of passage in a lot of different ways. Even in losing a game, there's bonding because you're experiencing the same emotions as the men around you. And in winning, there's an elation of emotion as you recognize that you guys all worked hard over a long period of time and managed to triumph over another set of boys that were doing the exact same thing is powerful. And you can come off that field feeling like you've achieved something great. You know, and when you step back from your high school years and you look back and you realize like, were we all that great or was it all that great? No, the accomplishment at the end of the day really means, doesn't mean that much. What does mean something was that journey of hard work, sacrifice, pain, and working together as a team. Those elements all come together. And those were the things that were really important. 
if you didn't experience, if you didn't play football or you didn't play another sport where this was required of you, you may not actually get what I'm talking about. I'm hoping that you you had something along those lines of an experience in some other facet of life where you can at least relate to it. The follow-on topic in terms of football, and again, not saying you can't get this done somewhere else, but it teaches personal responsibility. You either made the tackle or you didn't. You either made the block or you didn't. You either completed the pass or you didn't. There's a very definitive cycle of, did you do something or did you not? There, there's no, well, I kind of did it. No, did you protect your quarterback or did you not? That personal responsibility, which is usually held accountable by the coach, especially in the after game reviews and video reviews as you as they watch the game. And you can specifically see as they break it down frame by frame, you can see where you failed. You can see where you were successful. And you're either getting kudos from your coaches and teammates or you're getting dumped on by your coach and teammates. And that builds a fire in you to say, I, I'm not going to let that happen again. And you hit the gym with renewed focus with renewed energy because I need to get stronger or I need to get faster. I'm going to get on the track and do speed drills or whatever it is that you need to improve. You're reattacking it. <clears throat> and this is a valuable skill in life that is taught here where failing while not encouraged is acceptable. If you use it to improve yourself, you use it to recognize here's where I went wrong. Here's where I need to improve and you use it to get better. Again, it's about the journey. Just recently saw a quote that uh, in a movie, and I'm forgetting the movie off the top of my head, but in essence, uh, I, I now remember it, Dungeons and Dragons. And there's a scene in the movie where he says, you've only failed if you stop trying. And that is powerful because it's true. Like you may have failed that one time, but you have not failed unless you stop trying. Once you've stopped trying, now it goes in the books as you have failed. And, and so similarly in life, in football, you've learned all of these lessons in the sport that has major impacts on the life after high school football, whether you go on to college and play or you don't. You've had a life altering experience that resonates with a lot of people. And I would argue this is why people view this trade-off of safety as maybe maybe we run the risk of having the CTE because of all these other factors that are value added to someone's character and how they approach life. Another factor in this analysis is when you start diving into, well, what is a male purpose? And, and there's quite a few people that will probably disagree with me and they will say, no, you're 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 being kind of a, a traditional sexist. And, you know, this is part of a bygone era and we need to advance our thinking. And I would say no, I, I think this is hardwired into us and I think it's good for society. I think it is good for men to recognize this and cultivate these things. I believe that when a man is performing the role of protector and provider for his family. His purpose helps shape him into a somebody positive and contributes positively to society, to his family. When he is being a protector and provider, he recognizes he's got a duty to take care of his family. And when he sacrifices and he has 
hard work that he puts in to accomplish and be successful at the above roles, he finds it rewarding. He finds life satisfying and fulfilled. Um, and, and so when you bring this back to football, when people look at football players, they're usually physically fit. They're usually bigger. There's an air of confidence to them. And it's because they have started to go through that crucible of changing from a boy to a man and building strength, building speed, toughness. It fits in well with the image of being a protector. Football, you're putting on armor. You are stepping on the field and there's the wartime and military analogies run rampant. We're going to war. We're going to fight. We're going to win. We're going to defeat them. We're going to destroy them. This all helps solidify this image in, in a boy's head that I think is good. Uh, it teaches them to be competitive. It teaches them to seek and find value in winning. Whoever said it, it's, it's all about having fun, in my opinion, must have been a loser because then it turns to all fun. Because I'll tell you what's not fun, losing. I'll tell you what is fun, winning. And, and so through the course of a season, most teams will experience a loss at some point in time. Very few teams make it all the way undefeated. When you experience the loss, you start to learn that it's not the end. You learn that by being competitive and experience losing and winning and learning in life, there are winners and losers and you don't want to be a loser. And that's why you're going to look at where and when you fail, pick yourself up and figure out how to become a winner despite whatever failure you just experienced. And, and really that's a, that's a great key for life in terms of always striving to be better. That is going to serve a young man well in life. So what this all comes down to is the culture surrounding football and the values that it imparts to the young men that play football are part of the reason why poor and conservative continue to encourage people to play football because of all those intangibles that I talked about, because of all those benefits that can be achieved with hard work, with some dedication, with that ability to push for 110%, to leave it all on the field and come back, figure out where you went wrong and be better. And I think that's what this article is missing. It's missing all those intangibles. And it just looks at this, the, the safety. And to me, it's, I think it takes a cheap shot at the politics of it and ignores a lot of the things that football does do. Um, I'm not going to not going to go so far as to say football is the only place that can be done, but football is probably at the pinnacle of the sports where this can be taught. I think we should continue to look at ways of making the sports safer, but I agree with the quote. I think that if we decide that safety is the only factor when we are making our decisions, we start to become very risk averse. We start to lose what America made America great. Choosing the safe option would not have led to manifest destiny. It would not have led to people coming over in a two month voyage across seas that sometimes ships got lost and went, went sunk. People died of dehydration and disease all just to get here and then be subjected to everything that, you know, all the risks of being a, uh, a settler in America and moving west. There are things to be gained by taking risks. And that's part of what it make, makes America great. Again, CTE, 
is not a joke and it's a serious health concern. I myself, and I have young boys and I'm still weighing the, that question of, do I let them play football? So I did not make it through football unscathed. I had a broken arm, dislocated shoulder, did not do proper therapy. I still have issues with it today. Would I trade it? the experiences of football for a little bit less pain, a little bit more range of movement today? Probably not. Because again, mentally uh, and physically, it made a mark on me, uh, I think for the better uh, on on the mark. So uh, I'm wrestling with that question today. Do I let my, my sons play? I, I don't know. We'll see what their interests are. We'll see what, what they want to do. But I have a plan to provide them a rite of passage. I have a plan to cultivate these things so they don't have to play football in order to receive some of these benefits of football. But that's a bridge for a later day to cross and we'll see what safety improvements have been made in the sport of football. So I'm going to wrap up with a shameless plug. We meet with family, friends, and loved ones and celebrate the birth of Jesus with gifts to each other. With Thanksgiving beginning the holiday season, it is a time of thanks, generosity, and being grateful for what you have. This is a time for reflection. Reflection on our blessings, reflection on our past year, what was awesome, what could have been better. This inevitably brings about the thoughts of what will be. What do I want to do or pursue or accomplish? What is 2024 going to bring? This is a great time to reflect and start thinking about your goals and a roadmap of how to achieve those goals. Most people stop at the dream stage and leave the how to the work of hope, wishes, and fairies. The few who do come up with a plan either don't think it through all the way or forget to incorporate accountability. If this sounds like you, you should get a life coach. At Greg Stroud Liberated, I can help you define a vision for 2024, help you prioritize your goals, help you develop a plan that not only achieves your goals, but also has built-in accountability for when you lose willpower or get tired. That is where I can help you get across the finish line by providing support, motivation, and accountability. Most people don't have the experience, vision, or understanding of what it takes to accomplish big things. I do. Don't wait for tomorrow. Take action now and schedule a free call to see what it's all about at gregstroudliberated.com. Thank you for listening to The Liberated Citizen. I hope that you found this content engaging and thought-provoking. Please share and engage with others. Make comments. Like, subscribe, follow, and comment on whatever platform you heard this on. I'll be dropping weekly episodes every week, so stay tuned. If you like this content and want more, I have an ebook coming out that reads like a manifesto for those who want to make an impact living American values in needed career paths. Remember, action is the key to liberation. Break free, embrace life. Until next time, take care.